Welcome to Fire Talk Radio, teaching the unfiltered Word of God with the anointing of His Spirit. With subjects on eternity and the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny. Hi, my name is Adam Grigsby, and I'm here with Deborah Lacewell, and welcome to Fire Talk Radio. Tonight, we're talking about being an overcomer. The Bible is very clear that we have great rewards that, that Jesus has available for those that overcome. So we're going to talk about tonight uh, scriptures that help give us keys to overcoming and also great testimony in ourselves about how we've overcome and help encourage other people to do the same. Deborah, I know you had a scripture on that to kind of start us off with about the life of Jesus himself, so go ahead and share that. Well, it's, it's in uh, 1 John 16:33. These things have I spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have you will in the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So Jesus himself overcame the world. He overcame death and hell and and everything that, that his own creation put at him and threw at him. And but still, in in all of that, I mean, he over, he overcame he overcame everything. He 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 overcame. I mean, he rose from the dead. I mean, that's overcoming death, hell, and the grave, and everything. And so that's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, I'm excited. It's exciting. It's exciting because since he overcame the world, we can overcome the, anything. And and you know, I noticed in here where it says. Um, these things I've spoken to you, but so, so that you may have peace. So basically, we should have peace knowing that even in our tribulation, we can overcome anything. It may may seem hard at the time, but trusting the Holy Spirit for that peace, because it says right here in black and white, it says these things, unless what well, Bible it's in red, but these things I have spoken to you, that you may have peace. And so that basically... Having peace, knowing, and and resting in that faith, and taking the courage that even though we're going to have troubles, trials, tribulations, we can overcome anything. Amen. And that's so key to understand that because a lot of people have this attitude mm-hmm. that you know God's in control and that he, God is in control, but it says that He gave the earth to the children of men. And what that means is that we as Christians have a responsibility to overcome by His power. It's always by His grace, but we have the responsibility to speak to our own mountains to overcome and you know come against our own our own you know things. The Bible says those that receive. The gift of righteousness will rule and reign in life through Christ Jesus. So he's given us the ability to rule and reign over our issues. And there'll be some that are overcome and some that overcome. This is uh, Revelations chapter 2, verse 7. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes, I will give the right to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And also in Revelations 2.11, it says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. And, of course, the second death in that context is referring to the lake of fire. So he's saying that if you'll, if you'll come to me and let me empower you to overcome, overcome sin, overcome the world, overcome your flesh, then you'll not be hurt of the second death. Why? Because you're going to be empowered to walk a righteous life in Christ Jesus. Uh, Revelations 2.17 says, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes, I'll give to eat of the hidden manna, and I'll give him a white stone, and on that stone a new name written, which no man knows, saving he that receives it. 
and also in Revelations 2.26, and the he that overcomes and keeps my works unto the end, I will give power over the nations. Now, that's a, that's a crazy verse. About, I mean, literally, it's just like God takes people that are basically nobodies, and he says, I want to raise you up and make you my child. And then it, and when I set up my kingdom on the earth, not only am I going to give you the power to rule and reign in this life, but if you will overcome, I'm going to give you rulership over the nations in the life to come. You will rule and reign with him forever. And he's given us the power to overcome that we might overcome with him. Amen. That right there is actually pretty mind-boggling. Like you're saying, is I, my brain can't wrap around it. You know, when I'm in my glorified body, I'll, I'll understand everything. But, but in that, I don't know. I that's really to to be reigning with 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 him. And just, I mean, it's, yeah. just, it's pretty wild. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't comprehend that pretty much myself. But. But you know he's going to be. Uh, I don't know. It's just. In fact, there's you know there's there's scripture in the Bible that talk about that. He in the parable of the minas, and I'm going to go ahead and find that scripture real quick, where he actually says now, I want, there's things that we tend to gloss over that are so mind blowing in the Bible that we we honestly have no we don't even grab that this is actually serious. And in the parable of the minas, and I'm going to have that scripture coming right up. And what's happening in this parable, and I'll describe for you in a moment, in the parable, basically what's happening is Jesus is giving us a window into what's going to happen in the last day when he comes to set up his kingdom. And he's giving us a window into what it's going to be like when we stand before him to be judged. And it's there for our benefit. You know, people don't like the idea of standing before Jesus these things so we can stand before him with confidence. Amen. And here it is, and it's in Luke chapter 19. And what he what it says is that he called his servants, and this is and I'm starting in verse twelve. He said a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive himself for a kingdom and to return. So Jesus has gone away. He's been made king of kings and lord of lords, and he's going to return. <clears throat> and he says he's called ten servants of his and gave them ten pounds and said, Trade ye herewith till I come. But his servants hated him and sent an ambassador after him, saying, We will not have this man reign over us. And it came to pass, when he came back again, having received the kingdom, that he commanded these servants, unto whom he had given the money, to be called by him, that he might know what they had gained by training. So there's really two groups. There's people that want nothing to do with him, and that there's another group that are his servants that he entrusts with, with certain things. The first came before him and said, Master, I have, I have made your pound. Your pound hath made ten pounds more. He says, and here we go. Well done, good and faithful servant, because you was found faithful in a very little thing. You will have authority over ten cities. And the second came saying, Lord, you're, you're, you have made five pounds. And he said, Be, you, then I will give you rulership over five cities. And another came and said, Lord, here's your pound, which I kept laid up in a napkin. I feared you because you were mm-hmm. a steer man. Thou take it which thou layest not down, and reaps which thou did not sow. And he said, Out of thy own heart I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I am an austere man, taking up which I laid not down, and reaping which I did not sow. Therefore, givest not thou my money into the bank, and I could have gotten it back with interest. And he said unto them that stood by, Take away from the pound, and give it to him that has the ten pounds. And they said, Lord, he has ten pounds. And I say unto you, Every one that has will be given, but for him that has not, even what he have will be taken from him. You know, so basically, we had two servants that on varying levels overcame, and they were given great reward in the kingdom to come. So in the same way, but then there was a, king, there was a guy who, because of fear, 
he didn't overcome and he didn't and he didn't do anything with what he was given and his end wasn't good. So he's given us the power to overcome and we have great reward, which is reigning with him in the life to come if we do. You know, the, um, that's a good point about not overcoming because of fear. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just trying to look up the scripture here so that I could quote it properly. Was that in... It's 2 Timothy 1, seven. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And of a sound mind. And so when people operate in fear, um, they're, they're operating, they're not trusting the Lord, they're not in faith, and whatever is not of faith is sin. And it's impossible to please God without faith. So we want to make sure that we're, 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 we're growing our faith by, you know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we need to feed our spirit, man, if it's praying, if it's worshiping, if it's, you know, of course, the Bible. And um, because that's that's one of the main ways to grow your faith. Mm -hmm. And so I know that, you know, you're speaking of the the fear. And I know that it's important that um, whatever a person is struggling with, whether it's fear, if it's an addiction, if it's. Whatever the case is, if it's fear of flying, just whatever, even if it's not fear, if it's just, like I said, an addiction or, you know, you're shy, whatever the case may be that you're struggling with or that we're struggling with, it's very important um, that uh, to operate in the opposite spirit because we can overcome what we're, what we're struggling with by moving in the opposite spirit. And, uh, you know, some of the tools I had was uh, thinking about, Adam, how, it, you know, the word is, is really powerful in itself. And, and you were talking about, you were telling me something about when Jesus was, what were you telling me earlier about when he was in the, you know, temptation? And, and then I can follow up with. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all know it. I mean, we heard the story, but well, but obviously we... Faith comes by hearing, so we're going to talk about Jesus in the wilderness now. And this is Matthew chapter 4. Everyone go there, and I'll be there in a moment. As soon as technology catches up with me. And, <laughs> um, and what's happening, obviously, is Jesus has just been anointed uh, by the Holy Spirit. Uh, the audible voice of Father, the Father has spoken out of heaven and said, Behold my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Now, the thing that's so amazing about that, which... It's not a huge point in this, but it's that you would think that if, if that was you or me, we'd be like, man, it's time to start my ministry. It's time to, man, we're going to do great things. But it was, am- it was amazing. Right after the, the, the father affirmed him and, and like anointed him for ministry, he was immediately led into the wilderness to be tested first. And so understand that there, before we go into on to fulfill our ministry, there's going to be tests that we're going to have to overcome. And so, you know, no one just, you know, the, the whole thing where people try to skip over the tests and uh, just drop launch in the ministry. The tests are there to actually build your character so that you can stand in ministry. Like what we hear all the time in church, you know, the gift will make room for you, but it's character that's going to keep you there. So don't overlook the, the tests are really important. So here's Jesus in the wilderness. And he was, it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus was led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he hungered. And the devil came to him and said, if you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread. So Jesus right here, he had to overcome the temptation 
he had overcome the temptation to basically use his power rather than believing, use his power at that time for the wrong purpose, rather than uh, doing things in God's time frame and believing for the provision of God, he, uh, he had to overcome the temptation to take the shortcut. And he says, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And right there, that's another principle for overcoming. If you do not have the word of God on the inside of you, then you won't be able to answer the devil back with that, that kind of word. But Jesus was the word. He was full of the word. Therefore, he could do this. But we can do the same. Then the devil took him up to, a whole, to the holy city, set him up on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said, If you're the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over concerning thee, and on their hands they shall bear you up, lest you happily you dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said, Again, it is written, Thou shalt not take, tempt the Lord thy God. And then the devil took him to an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. He says, All these things will I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord thy God, and only him shall you serve. And the devil left him, and the angels came and ministered to him. Now, that, that last one's huge because Jesus had an opportunity right there to take the inheritance in a way that wasn't the way that God had for him to take the easy way to avoid the cross and still have the kingdoms of this world. And, but Jesus knew that that wasn't the way. And like uh, what Deborah had said on a previous show, that it was because our treasure, his treasure is us. And so for the sake of us and for the joy that was set before him, he resisted that temptation. But the big thing is that he always overcame it with the word of God. So if you don't have the Word of God inside of you, then you're going to very severely lack overcoming power because the Word of God is our sword. Amen? Right. And now I was thinking about how, you know, the, the enemy, Satan, he twisted the Scriptures. Mm-hmm. And that's what he does to this day. So like you said, that's why it's very important to have the Word in us so that we'll know when, when you know, when Satan comes to tempt us, we'll, we will know we will know what, you know, that he's lying because everything he says is a lie. So basically, you know, basically he did, he, he twists everything. I mean, if, if he were to say to one of us, oh, well, just go run, run out in front of traffic, you know, you've got, God, God gave his angels charge over you to watch over you concerning all your ways. I bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. That's pretty, that's, you know, that's, that's true, but, you got to use wisdom. I mean, if you're going to run, run out in traffic and get hit by a car, unless, I mean, you just twist all the scripture. So it's important to know in your heart. And the song, the illustration that Adam was referring to in another song was, um, I mean, another show was there's this song, and the words are, You are the love of my life. You are the hope that I cling to. You mean more than this whole world to me. I wouldn't trade you for silver or gold. I wouldn't trade you for riches untold. You are my everything. And he spoke to me in that song and said, You are the love of my life, Deborah. You are the hope that I cling to. When he was clinging to the cross, he looked through time and space and saw my face and he saw your face and he saw Adam's face and everybody listening. And um, you mean more to me than this whole world. I wouldn't trade you for you know riches untold. And he could have had all those kingdoms Adam was talking about. He could have had riches untold. And he could have given in. A temptation is not a temptation if you can't give into it. He could have given into it. Jesus could have. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You did not give into that temptation because we would be really, 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 we would be toast right now. 
Literally. Yeah, literally. And um but I'm I'm really grateful that Jesus didn't give in to that. And going um I just wanted to, you know, touch on this point since you had, had mentioned them. Going back on, on the word of God and, and uh, how how Jesus fought it with with the word. Um I something that uh one of the pastors, a couple of pastors have suggested at our church, which is a very good tool is to write down scriptures. Like if you're dealing with something like, say, for example, you're dealing with fear or you're dealing with an addiction or alcohol or whatever the case may be, whatever you're dealing with, find at least three scriptures in the Bible, write it down on three by five cards or however you choose to write it. But those are pretty good because you can flash card kind of thing, but whatever works best for you and write it down on three by five cards and every day, look at the look at those. Read it, read it. You know, either out loud, m- meditating out loud with the word, or if you're somewhere obviously and you can't read it out loud, then you know you can say it to yourself. And every time that issue comes up, then say speak the word over it. And before you know it, you're going to be so permeated with the word of God that when that issue comes, you, you know the issue that you used to have comes up. Nothing but word is going to come up. Pastor Alan Hawes uses this example, and I hope that I get it right, is he talks about how, like, if you, you picture, um, I think I'm doing it right, but I'll, anyway, you'll get the idea. You have, like, oil and, 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 and water and oil. and um, But if you're picturing, like, something that's got all this, this um, sediment and, you know, sediment and... Um, and 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 dirt and uh, just junk in it and and then you start reading the word of god what well, the word of god is the is the washing uh of the you know the washing of the how do you say it adam washing of the water of the word yeah the washing of the water of the word so when we're when we're reading when we're reading and and spending time in the word then we're actually washing and renewing our mind and some people have used the claim that you're being brainwashed at that church. Well, yes, we're being brainwashed, but in a good way, because it's washing away all the junk that we we had in in our hearts. And and what Pastor Allen was talking about is when 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 you have that word that's coming in, it's like the water of the word. And when it goes into your heart, it's like the oil, the junk that and, and it comes up. And the more water you get, the more gunk comes up. So you know, oil is lighter than water. And it's gonna float. So when you have, when you have that, when you're washing with, you know, when you're reading the word and that water's being poured in your heart, then it's gonna, all that gunk is gonna come up, and you just look like it. And the more you do it, you know, it's, it's like sifting. If you've ever had clarified butter, it's the kind of butter they use with lobster. And what, how they make that is they, um, they boil, you know, they they boil the butter. And uh, they they melt it in in a certain kind of pot so that you don't burn it. But when you're done, what you do is you scoop off the top so that you have nothing but pure the pure butter. So it's it's kind of the same with washing the water of the word. You've got that pureness. The more you read it, the more the pure your heart is getting, and the more washed and cleaned and all that gobbledygook is coming out. So um, I feel like Adam wants to say something, but after he says that, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, if you get your um, notes, your notepads, and um, pencils and papers, because I'm gonna give some 
some scriptures, some different scriptures that you can write down um, for for certain things, like for example, if it, it, that a lot of people deal with. So I'm gonna do that, and then I'm gonna you know so get your get your notepads and and I will give you some scriptures that you can write down and write on three by five cards, just something to get you started. And another thing, Adam, you have to hold that thought. <laughs> but um, like for example. Uh, one of our pastors, um, apparently she has, she has, um, she has scripture everywhere on her, in her house. Uh, her and her husband, they, 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 on three by five cards, it's, it's all over in their house. Uh, taped to the mirror, taped to the furniture, taped to the table, taped to whatever it can be. Because I've often heard him talk about it, and his wife jokes about it and says she may as well have the place wallpapered with, with, uh, with scriptures. So, um, I'll give you like a second to get some paper and a pen, and then I'm going to give you some scriptures that you can write down. So bear with me while I find them. While you're saying that, while you're looking up the scriptures, um, the importance we're, we're talking right now about the importance of the Word of God when it comes to overcoming. And uh, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, 13 says, Wherefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So notice it says that, you can't, that you're taking up the whole armor, and every part of the armor relates to the Word. You know, there was this teaching that went through the church for a long time that, you know, you get up in the morning and you say, I put on the helmet of salvation, and I put on the breastplate of righteousness, uh, no, it's actually it's all about actually having the word of God being you know you're you're guarding your mind with the word of God the breastplate you're guarding your heart with the word of God your sword you're using you use the word of God like Jesus did on the offensive when the devil comes you know you have your feet you know shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace you know all these things you know your your shield of faith so it's just like you know it's just you always got you're ready to to block the the fiery darts of the enemy with the word of God it's all relating to the word of God and having the word of God in your heart so stand therefore girding your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness Righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and supplication, praying at all seasons in the Spirit. And Jude chapter 20 says, build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Spirit, by praying in the Holy Ghost. So it's like you can't overcome without a strong spirit, and you do that by praying in the Holy Ghost, which, of course, we will give an invitation later in the show for people to receive that. And on my, that on my behalf, the utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness, the mystery of the gospel. So boldness comes from knowing who you are and having the word of God on the inside of you. It all comes from that. Um, so we just want to reemphasize this. So the word of God is your armor. Well, I think also um, to elaborate on that point, confession is very important as well. Mm-hmm. Confessing who you are in Christ and, um, you know, having those confessions that you speak over yourself every day or several times a day or just when you're going through issues. And so... Well, well, I'll say this, that, you know, you'd mentioned earlier about the devil perverting the word. We're going to go there. And uh, one of the ways that the devil perverts the word regarding this subject is, again, with uh, self-condemnation, because you'd mentioned something about, I'm going to let you say that, you know, uh, the devil will come in and twist the word to, and you know, and use the word of God against you you know, to show where you failed to, to make accusations against you. And, uh, and like I said, and you got it, you had said something, God had told you something about self-condemnation. So go ahead and say what God spoke to you. 
about when God spoke to you about that when you walk in self-condemnation that you agree with the devil? Well, really, I was, um, uh, I was actually going to, you know, I was, I was um, I'll come back and I'll give you those scriptures um, after we touch on this. And uh, I just wanted to look up a scripture for you. And it's in, it's actually in Romans 8, 1. And um, oh, she's looking that up. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus who walk according to the flesh and not according to the spirit. So obviously it's not a free for all, just do whatever you want and you know, you're all good. It's actually for those who are walking according to the flesh and according to the spirit, which of course is a process, but the Bible, but God's saying that if you're in the process, if you're pursuing me, if you're walking with me, that there's therefore now no condemnation. And so it's very, very important that we understand this. And, um, you know, I, I know that myself and Deborah both have had issues with that, just as with every believer. So we hope as uh, we speak what we're about to speak, that as time goes on, that you know, uh, that th- this will give you some keys to set you free. Uh, just let me say, the condemnation is one of the worst traps of the enemy that there is. And uh, if you walk in this, then you'll never walk in victory, because the Bible says you have to receive the gift of righteousness to overcome. Right, you know, in Romans eight one, it does discuss. It says, you know, free. We are. You know, it talks about there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And um, earlier, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me about this uh, particular particular uh, thing. And um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of different a lot of different things that we that we struggle with as as people, you know, overcoming and um uh you know, things we overcome, but a, a lot of things that people have an issue with, including I'm sure myself, I you know, one day I was having a you know, see I was actually having an issue when the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this about um condemnation, uh self condemnation, you know, and he said to me, he says when you are in when you are in self condemnation, you are are coming into agreement with the devil and his lies. Why not come into agreement with me and the truth? And I'll, I'll, I mean that's powerful. I was like, wow, because it's like Jesus is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. And and every time we come into come into agreement with the lie of the devil then we're giving him power because there is a power power in agreement and it works both ways so you know um that's just right there that was really powerful when when he had said when he had said that to me and i was like wow that's so true because i'm i'm not coming into agreement with you i'm coming into agreement with the devil and I'll, he's like, I'll say it again, it's so powerful. When you are in self-condemnation, you are coming into agreement with the devil and his lies. Why not come into agreement with me and the truth? Adam? Okay. Um, well, we're going to get, like you said, you had some scriptures you were going to give them. But you... Okay. And, okay. And uh, so basically, 
there's some verses on who we are in Christ Jesus, and I know Deborah's got some verses for you as well. And uh, basically, it's very crucial. And I just want to say this regarding uh, who we are in Christ Jesus. Uh, it's going to give you some verses. Uh, John 1.12 says, I am a child of God. John 15.1-5 says, I'm a branch of the true vine, a conduit of Christ's life. John 15.15 15 says, uh, I'm, I'm a friend of Jesus, and that's a, that's, a, that's, a whole, that's a whole subject in and of itself. Romans 3, 23 through 24 says, I have been justified and redeemed. Romans 6, 6 also says this. And let's see, I have been accepted by Christ, Romans 15, 7. And 1 Corinthians 1, 2, Ephesians 1, 1. Philippians 1, 1 and Colossians 1, 2 all talks about how that we're saints. Uh, contrary to denominational doctrine from another group that says, you know, that the church has to appoint you as a saint. Uh, if you're in Christ, according to the Word of God, you are a saint. Amen. And, um, you know, I, I know that uh, what happened with me uh, early on in my Christianity is having gone through condemnation is that, um, you know, God spoke to me and said that, you know, that if you're going to, if you're going to wait until I, if I was going to wait until I was through with all my issues before he believed what I said about him, then I was never going to believe it. So understand, Christian, in this life, you will have issues. And if you're going to wait until you're perfect, that's the trap of the enemy, because you're never going to be perfect in this life. But, uh, it, but in him, you're perfect. And uh, he also said that you're not your issues. You are like what Deborah was saying. You are what I say about you. So those are some verses to help you walk in that reality. Understand you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Your spirit was made a new creation. It's your spirit man that is the real you. That the part of you will come out of you when you would die, you go to heaven, you know, that's you. And then there's your flesh that has to be crucified, and your mind that has to be renewed. That is a lifelong process. But if you're in the process, according to Hebrews ten fourteen, it says, He has perfected forever those that are being sanctified. So according to the word of God, as long as you're in the process, going through the process, staying in the vine, he calls you righteous even when you fail. Now I understand that there is a scripture where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, and Peter says, well, you're not washing me. And Peter, Jesus says, well, if I don't wash you, I have no part with you. And then Peter, Jesus, Peter says, well, then wash all of me. Jesus says, but he who is clean only needs to have his feet washed. So that's kind of like what confession of sin is. It's kind of like you're, you're still righteous, you're still holy, but you're kind of just coming to Jesus, you're washing your feet, Jesus, hey, I screwed up. And he washes his face. The Bible says if we, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. It's not when we sin, if we sin. The goal is not to sin, but if we do, we have an advocate, we have an advocate and that's Jesus. Right. That's, uh, that's, very, that's very, very true. You know, I was uh, thinking about how with that self-condemnation, you know, that, that gets a lot of people. And um, learning to overcome that actually it goes back to kind of what I was um, starting to talk about writing scriptures on three by three by five cards and and uh, writing the word on there because you know there's even there's even scriptures for you know like I was saying Romans eight one there is now therefore or there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ so. Um, but I was going to give you some scriptures for different things that that uh, a lot of people deal with. Like, for example, there is uh, there's addiction that a lot of people struggle with. It could be addiction to food. It could be addiction to, you know, it could be any kind of addiction from A to Z. And But there is, uh, on some of these, 
Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And also Acts 3, 19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And one other one is John eight thirty six. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you, sh- you shall be free indeed. So for addiction, you can write down Romans 8, 2, John eight thirty six, and Acts 3, 19. That will give you at least the start to write some scriptures on 3 by 5 cards. And, and just like we were talking about the oil and the water, so that you can get that, that gobbledygook coming up. And for alcohol, you can have 1 Peter 5, 8, which is be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And Isaiah 24, 9, they shall not drink wine with a song. Strong drink shall be bitter to them that drink it. Ephesians 5.18, and be not drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So for alcohol, you can write down 1 Peter 5.8, Isaiah 5.22, and Ephesians 5.18. And um, for a lot of people also struggle with anxiety. Um for, you know, it could be anxiety in, in whatever area it is. It's just anxiety. And um, 1 Peter 5, 6, 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And in Philippians 4, 6, 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, understanding, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Psalm 43, 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my soul. So for anxiety and or slash worry, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and Psalm 43, verse 5. So those are at least three scriptures you can write down on 3 by 5 cards um, to, get you, to get you going a little bit in that. And um, there's some others also here I wanted to touch on to give you some ammunition for for it. And another thing a lot of people struggle with is, um, unfortunately, is depression. And I have some scriptures here for you to write down on three by five cards so that you can you can um, have some ammunition there as well. And uh, so for de- for depression, for depression, the 
the the Psalm thirty four seventeen, the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Ah, uh, here's a good one. Nehemiah eighteen, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And Isaiah sixty one three, to point unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting on of the Lord, that he might be glorified. So for depression, you can write down Psalms 34:17, Nehemiah 8:10, and also Isaiah 61:3. And I have just I have a couple more here that a lot of people struggle with. So, like for example, you know, bereavement and grief. Even if you're going through bereavement and grief, I don't know if really want to. You're not really overcoming because you're grieving, but it's important to. Well, you are kind of overcoming the loss of somebody. So it's really, you're overcoming that. And so um, with uh, with that, okay, well, I'll come back on that one. I'm still trying to find it. Oh, here it is. Psalm thirty four eighteen. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such a such as have a contrite spirit. Matthew 5, 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And also 2 Thessalonians 4, 13, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, which means basically they've died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So for grieving, bereavement, you can write down Psalm thirty four eighteen and also two Thessalonians four thirteen and two Corinthians five, six through eight. And so there was just one more I wanted to touch on was, you know, temptation when we're when we're being tempted. Acts and that's in uh in Acts in the book of Acts it says in in sixteen thirty through thirty one it says and he brought them out and said sirs what must I do to be saved oh wait this is for unsaved loved ones but hey hallelujah praise it anyway we'll pray it anyway <laughs> so like uh, and he brought them out and said sirs what must I do to be saved all these pages fell out you should see this crazy folder so they said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved you and your household. And so, for unsaved loved ones, um, Hebrews one fourteen, are not the angels all ministering spirits or servants sent out in the service of God for assistance of those who are to inherit salvation? And Luke one thirty seven, for with God nothing is shall be impossible. And those are for unsaved loved ones. So just uh, those uh, those three were acts. The book of Acts, A-C-T-S, 
and that's uh, chapter 16, verses 30 through 31. And then also 2 Peter 3, 9 and Luke 1, 37. So if you quote those ever, before you know it, your your family is going to be coming in. And you were talking about, you know, Adam, how you're talking about the word and everything. We were talking about our our confessions are very important as well. Um, You know, a child of God is Romans 8, 16. We're redeemed by the hand of the enemy. I'm just going to run through this 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 thing I have right here, and and basically it, we are what the word says we are, mm-hmm. you know, and and so as we are, we are basically what the what the word of God says we are, and you can do what the Lord says you can do. I am a child of God. That's Romans eight sixteen. I want you to actually repeat these after me. So I am redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Psalm 107.2 I am forgiven. Colossians 1.13 and 14 I am saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2.8 I am justified. Romans 5.1 I am sanctified. 1 Corinthians 6.11 I am a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 I am partaker of his divine nature. 2 Peter 5, I mean 2 Peter 1, 4. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians 3, 13. I am delivered from the power of darkness. Colossians 1, 13. I am led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 14. I am free from all bondage. John 8, 36. I am kept in safety wherever I go. Psalm 91:11 I am getting all my needs met by Jesus Philippians 4:19 I am casting all my cares on Jesus 1 Peter 5:7 I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might Ephesians 6:10 I am doing all things through Christ who strengthens me Philippians 4:13 I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Romans 8:17 I am heir to the blessings of Abraham Galatians 3:13 and 14 I am observing and doing the Lord's commandments Deuteronomy 28:12 I am blessed coming in and blessed going out Deuteronomy 28:6 I am an heir of eternal life 1 John 5:11 and 12 I am blessed with all spiritual blessings, Ephesians 1.3. I am healed by his stripes, 1 Peter 2.24. I am exercising my authority over the enemy, Luke 10.19. I am above only and not beneath, Deuteronomy 28.13. I am more than a conqueror, Romans 8.37. I am establishing God's word here on earth, Matthew 16.19. I am an overcomer. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony, Revelations 12:11. I am daily overcoming the devil, 1 John 4:4. 4, 4. I am not moved by what I see, 2 Corinthians 4:18. I am walking by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5:7. I am casting down vain imaginations, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. I am bringing every thought into captivity, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. 
I am being transformed by renewing my mind. Romans 12:1-2. I am reigning in life through Christ Jesus. Romans 5:17. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Je- in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5:21. I am an imitator of Jesus. Ephesians 5:1. I am the light of the world. Matthew 5:14. I am blessed. I am blessed. Blessing the Lord at all times and continually praising the Lord with my mouth. Psalm 34, 1. So basically, what are we trying to say? Like a machine gun riddles out all those bullets, fight the attack with the word of God. Amen. And that's so, it's so crucial. So we're talking a lot about right now on the subject of confession uh, being so important to, um, you know, us walking in victory. Now, uh, she had mentioned uh, giving some scriptures on overcoming temptation. I just want to give you a few of those before we move on. First uh, Corinthians ten thirteen, it talks about there's no temptation that such as taking you over that is such as common to man. But God is faithful; He will not allow you to suffer to be tempted above what you are able. Will all with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God's saying, any temptation that comes your way, you are able to overcome it with the Word of God. Amen. Uh, James four seven says, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil, and then he will flee from you. So a, you have to be you have to be obedient. Um, I'm going to touch on this a little bit later, but we cannot overcome if we don't lay down our lives. We can't overcome and be in rebellion to God at the same time. But if we are in obedience to God and we resist the devil, he will flee from us. Hebrews 2.18, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to help those that are being tempted. And uh, <clears throat> prayer from te- and we're just uh, James 1, 2 through 3. It says, Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. So when you resist temptation, it strengthens you for greater temptation because it's, it's going to come. First uh, Corinthians 10.13 uh, like I said, no temp- no trial, however it comes where it leads, it leads. Like I said, it's there's no trial that's, that's overtaking you that somebody else hasn't dealt with, that even Jesus himself hasn't dealt with. Uh, Luke 22:46, he says, "Why do you sleep? Go get up and pray that you may not fall into temptation." My gosh, we you got it. You got to have a prayer. You got to have a strong prayer life if you're going to overcome temptation. Matthew 6:13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. God does not lead us into temptation. That's the devil. And all of us, you keep awake, give strict attention, be cautious and active, and watch and pray. You may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So that's why we have to have a strong spirit because the spirit is willing, but only if your spirit is strong. Can you can you overcome? Uh, because if you're not, your flesh is going to be. It's like what Billy Graham said. He said, you know, there's two dogs, and uh, the one that's going to win is going to be the one that feeds. So Deborah's giving you a whole bunch of scripture to feed your spirit with to help you strengthen. Um, I'm going to go to regarding confession and the power of our, our words and our overcoming. I'm going to go to James chapter three. And uh, you know, recently I was in church, and uh, a friend of mine felt led of the Lord to give me a book on the power of our words, which is very timely. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and read a, a very powerful verse on that, a couple of verses on that. It says, in James chapter 3, verse 2, In many things we stumble, if we stumble not in word, the same as a perfect man able to bridle the whole body also. So that means to the, to the extent that we overcome with our mouths is to the extent that we're going to overcome with the rest of us. Now, if we put horses' bridles into our mouths, that, they, that their mouths that they may obey us, we turn about their whole body also. Verse 4, Behold the ships, though they are great and driven by rough winds, are yet turned bound by a very small rudder, wherever the impulse of the steersman wills. 
So the tongue also is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how much wood is kindled by how small a fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity among our members is the tongue. It defiles the whole body and sets on fire the wheel of nature and is set on fire by hell. And wow. And every kind of beast and bird and the creeping things and in the sea is tamed by man, and has been tamed by mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Hmm. Therewith we bless the Lord and Father, and we curse men who are made after the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing, if these things not also be so. You know, so it's, it's very, very clear that what it's saying is that the power of our words steer our lives. Mm-hmm. So we have to watch what's consistently coming out of our mouths. Not, not talking about making a couple of good confessions and going back to our old way. We have to consistently begin to speak the word of God, which we've been arming you with this entire episode. You know, Deborah's telling to get some three by five cards. We have to change how we talk. We have to change our confession. We have to change what we speak. You know, the Bible says the faith is the evidence of things unseen. And uh, with that, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start talking about people that overcame using the principles that we were talking about today. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, since faith and words go hand in hand, what is faith? It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. For therein, the elders had a witness born to them. By faith, we understand that the worlds had been framed by the word, by the what? By the word of God. So that what is seen hath not been made out of things which appear. And so it's talking about the power of our words shaped, the power of God's words shaped and made this entire world. So in the same way, the power of your words shape your entire life. And it also shapes who you think you are. It shapes whether or not you believe who you are in Christ. It shapes your ability to overcome temptation. It shapes the people around you. You know, it's like I have to be, I have to be very careful to start speaking, you know, good things over people around me because that's what's going to help them change. I need people. I would hate it if someone was speaking bad things about me. That's not helping me. So, you know, you have to begin to speak things not only over yourself but over other people. You got people that want you want to be saved. She touched on that. Start speaking those scriptures over your over your family members. Remember, faith is the evidence of things unseen. You know, the analogy that I have for it is if you order something and it comes in on UPS. The minute you ordered, it's yours. You have this paper, piece of paper, this receipt that says it's yours, even though the truck has not brought it to your house yet. So in the same way, we have this book of paper called the Word of God that has all these promises and things that we're believing for. And according to the Word of God, it's already yours. But you need to stand in faith that it's already yours so that, that it'll come past. You're not, you're not, your family members aren't going to be saved. That's not your confession. Faith is now. Your family members are saved. Your family member is saved. Your family member is free from drugs. You are free from drugs. That is your confession. Not th- not going to be. Faith is now. Faith is now. Uh, by, it says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he had witness born to him that he was righteous, God-bearing in respect of his gifts, and through being, being dead he, he speaks. By faith Enoch was translated that he would not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For he had witness born to him that before his translation he had been well-pleasing to God. Without faith it is impossible to be well-pleasing to him, for he comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who seek after him. There's another scripture that says a double-minded man will not receive anything from the Lord. So you have to be standing your faith that when you're believing for something, you keep speaking those things out and as if you have them now until those things become reality in your life. Deborah. Yes, you know, that's very, very, very uh, good stuff, Adam, right there. And, and I was thinking about how, you know, I mean, like you, like you said, Jesus spoke, spoke the world into existence. And Genesis 1, the history of creation, it talks about how in, how in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, 
and darkness was on the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, so that the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, in Genesis 1, that was in 1-3, then God said, Genesis 1-6, then God said, Genesis 1-9, then God said, Genesis 1-11, then God said, Genesis 1-14, then God said, Genesis 1-20, then God said, Genesis 1-24, then God said, Genesis 1-26, then God said, Genesis 1-29, and God said, that's one Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times at least in this chapter that then God said. So our words are important. God created the universe and created with his words. So they're very, very important. And and, and what we choose to say, like he was saying, you know, he would sure hope that someone was saying a, neg- a, a positive confession over him, you know, if there were just other people talking about him, just however they were doing it. Because, like, for me, I would sure want that, too. But having to remember that it is important, our words. Not just for us, but other people, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I know this one person that they they had um, they had three children, and they had uh, two girls, and they had a boy. And the boy, uh, he was like, he was, um, they kept saying, they didn't even realize what they're doing, but they kept saying, oh, well, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's going to play with dolls and he's around girls so much. He's going to grow up gay. And they said this day after day after day after day after day. I heard, I heard it like, I can't even count how many times. And I didn't know what they, I didn't know the power of the words. I was just a kid. So was he. But they said, guess what? He's gay. He's gay now. Mm-hmm. And and really, nobody realized that every time they said that, they were cursing him mm-hmm. with their words. And there's power in our words. You know, God sent his word and healed all our diseases and delivered us from all our destruction. God sent his word. Jesus is the word made flesh. God is the word made flesh. You know, Jesus. So there's power in our words. And even when we talk about people behind their backs, if, if it's just to, just to, you know, like, having a discussion because you need to talk about something. Mm-hmm. We got to be, I feel we need to be careful to choose the words mm-hmm. and, and count to 10. Maybe that's an old fashioned thing, but maybe count to 10 of, of what you're going to say. Not because you're going to say something bad or out of anger, but before you, you, you make a statement and a confession mm-hmm. about somebody, because you could just be talking and like uh, people say this a lot. Oh, my back is killing me. Well, be careful what you say. And I rebuke that. I renounce it. Fall to the ground. My back's not killing me. Go to, you know, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And also, another thing I was going to say was death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who, who, who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. 
And what that means, death and life, power, power, you know, is positive or negative confession. But as you think about it, you keep, I know there's this other, this other one person, he says, I'm getting, I'm getting close to my birthday and my birthday, sir. I just, I'm, I know I'm going to get sick. It happens every year. And I, and I just very nicely said to him, I said, well, do you confess that? Do you confess every year that you're going to get sick? And he goes, yes, and I always do. And I, and then I quoted, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And you need to be careful of your confession, because he did. He got sick every every birthday because he confessed it. And I suggested that he might want to try and say, oh, my birthday is great, or just something, you know, but just something different. It's amazing because there's this, you know, I mean, because we're just the word, the power of the word of God itself, but also our confession. If you're saying, oh, if anybody's going to get get laid off at work, it's going to be me. Well, guess what? You keep saying that it's going to be you. You have what you say. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, and I'm not, hey, I'm not, I'm I'm guilty. You know, I'm, I'm guilty too. I say negative confession. But just have to remember what what I'm speaking. Like he was saying, my family's not going to be saved. They are saved. Mm-hmm. And even even if you have to talk to your cat or you have to talk to your dog and just have to talk in the atmosphere and say, oh, guess what, you know. You're not pooping on the floor anymore. No, I wasn't going to say that. Okay. Hey, that's a good confession. Well, yeah, yeah I guess it is a good confession, that. yeah. <laughs> but I was, you know, it's just, just. I mean, even actually speaking blessings over your animals, because that is actually one of our 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 blessings in in uh, with the Deuteronomy twenty eight, where the where the because your, be yeah, your livestock will be blessed. So my livestock happens to be two cats, so they they're blessed and and no sickness can come upon them. But there's there's power in words, and we just have to be careful what we speak because you know. And actually, uh, thank you, Holy Spirit. I just um, I was listening to somebody. Uh, the other day, talking about um, the power of confession and words, positive or negative, that we speak to each other, or just in the atmosphere. And they spoke of how they had two house plants side by side, and the one went up and talked to this house plant, nothing but positive words. And the other one, it spoke nothing but curses over it. And with the one, it didn't do very well, and it withered up, and it started to kind of mm-hmm. wither up. And but the one that was spoken positive confessions, it actually thrived and did. It grew more and got bigger. And you know, there was this old thing they always they talk to your plants. I, it, actually, I, I thought they were crazy. But with that analogy that the that the people mm-hmm. were saying that that scientific thing that kind of sort of makes a little sense. Well, it lines up with the word of God because Jesus cursed a fig tree. Amen. Oh yeah, yeah, we go now. And so it's really so that's actually very biblical. Um, you know, you hear it and you're like, that's crazy, but it's true. And um, so your words really do have power. And I mean, I just want to reemphasize again because I'm I'm you know convicting myself as I'm saying it. I'm thinking of things, times when I've been frustrated with people, things I've spoken over people just out of frustration. And I'm just like, man, God, I mean, I'm so sorry. You know, I've 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 said really bad things about people, not even because I wanted to curse them, just because I was more was like trying to just vent. But I mean, at the same time. 
I'm cursing them and, you know, you need to change your confession. So if you have a child, you know, that's in rebellion and say, well, my kid's never going to get it together and he's just a lunkhead and what's wrong with him and eh, be like, you know, you need to start speaking other things because that's actually going to keep that going. Um, You know, if you, you know, you have a friend that's always a certain way. Well, until it changes, maybe you need to back up. But at the same time, you still need to keep speaking life over that person, Um, you know, and. You know, this is a Revelations, we've said this verse already, but it's Revelations 12, 11, and it has three aspects to overcoming. It says, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, which we've dealt with, the word of our testimony. We're dealing with words right now. And what I'm about to touch on is that they loved not their life unto the death. You know, I talked earlier about how we can't overcome, we can't resist the devil if we're in rebellion. So if you're going to live in open rebellion to God, you're not going to lay your life down. You can speak all the words you want. You know, the devil's still going to have a stronghold in your life because you give him authority through your rebellion, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. Amen. But uh, but if you're in, in, in submission to God, you can speak the word. And I just want to say that it says that through faith and patience, they inherited the promises. A lot of times what happens is people they get this revelation and then they start speaking positive things and things don't change in 24 hours. And they go, well, I guess this just doesn't work for me. No, I mean, you, look, you've probably been speaking negative things for years and then you want it to all change in like 24 hours, you know, by start speaking positive things. No, you need to grab a hold of the word of God and says, no. My words will change my circumstance, and as you develop a lifestyle of healthy speaking, then as time goes on, it will change, but through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. That includes giving up but not giving up on things that we're believing for, everything. There's people that, you know, like Abraham had to believe for a promise, I think it was like 24 years or something like that, to receive Isaac, and we get frustrated when our prayers are answered in like two weeks, you know? Mm. So it's like, uh, but through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. So with not loving, laying down, loving our lives unto the death, that's that's a really big thing. Uh, I want to just cover before we, you know, before we start, you know, taking calls and stuff like that. Um, and that's so key because Jesus said, if you desire to save your own life, you will lose it. Our lives must be submitted to God. He says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom of heaven, but those that do the will of my Father. So again, it's like, it's like they're calling him Lord. But their their actions aren't lining up with it, and that day he'll say, you know, I don't know you. So if you're if you're living like a child of the devil, and I'm not talking, keep in mind, I'm not referring to someone that's being honest with God about their struggles. They're in the process. I'm talking about somebody who they're. I'm talking about somebody who lives a lifestyle of practiced unrepentant sin, and then you you this then you have to repent. And the Bible is very clear that uh, if we don't if we don't do that then, you know, we have no power over the enemy. So I just want to emphasize that, that we have to lay down our lives. Um, I want to, I want to, the last thing I want to say about confession is that um, also, as I remember, the, this just came to mind, the, the testimony I had with my job, uh, what had happened to me was is that, you know, I, I had this job, and, um, you know, the Bible says, uh, talks about trials and tribulations. Well, my job was a trial and tribulation. In the sales world, it's what we call a boiler room, uh, and meaning it's a very high-pressure, high-intensity sales environment, and it's kind of like you either sell or you're fired, and sometimes it can be if you don't make a sale today, you're fired. It's that kind of thing, but yet God would not release me from this place. And I remember we were about to enter into the slowest season of the year, and everyone around me was speaking the negative. Oh, I mean, literally standing in line to get my paycheck, and I got people around me going, it's going to be horrible, horrible, horrible. I'm listening to this in my head. I'm like, awesome. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm going home to go put out resumes and go somewhere else right now. And uh, as I'm putting out resumes, God will give me no peace. And I was like, I finally said, okay, God, I'm going to, if that's what you want, I'll stay. Uh, God will give me a word that said obedience is better than sacrifice. And so, um, 
I just obeyed the Lord. But I thought, but I literally said to God, you know, man of faith and power that I am, that, okay, God, I guess I'm taking a pay cut then because we're hitting in the slow season, but I'll be obedient to you. Pastor, one of our pastors thankfully walked up to me that night, came up to me and said, hey, man, you know, how's your job going? <laughs> I'm like, well, um, here's how it's going. I think I just took a pay cut. He's like, well, because they set this ridiculous goal that I have to meet in this slow season. And he, he just looked at me with like, even batting an eye. He's like, well, why don't you just meet the goal? I'm like, thinking to myself, because it's crazy. You know, and he goes, "No, you're going to speak the word, and that in in the natural it's impossible, but in the but it, it's but in the, it's possible in the supernatural. And you're going to speak the word, and you're not going to speak anything else, and you're going to meet those goals. And sure enough, almost every week I met those goals. And then the crazy thing about it is, even in weeks where I didn't meet the goal, the, the, the I, I I had like given a gospel soul winning script to my boss out of a tool that we used to reach the gospel. He didn't accept Jesus, but he started to change. And I remember one day when I didn't meet the goal all week, and I'm just kind of like, all right, God, you know, I spoke the word all week. I didn't meet the goal. What's up with that? Um, and then he hands me my paycheck and put my commission on my check anyway. Cause he's, he's just like, well, you know, I know it's hard and it's difficult right now, so we're just going to go ahead and take care of that anyway. And I, 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 want, if I, I don't believe in aliens, but if I, ha, if I did, I would think that he had gotten abducted. Because usually if you don't meet your goal, they hand you a check and threaten you, you know. <laughs> but he actually still, so no matter what, God was faithful by the, by the power. But if I had confessed what everyone else was confessing, I probably wouldn't have met my goals. And I probably honestly would have lost my job. So it's the, you need to speak the word of God over your situation. That you're an overcomer. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. And work is unto the Lord to overcome in your job. Amen. You can overcome everywhere. You can rule and reign in everyday life through Christ Jesus. Amen. Ever. All right. Yeah. You know, as you were saying that, it's funny because I had just I had just written and uh, I had just thought about how there's also uh, there's power in our thoughts as well. Mm-hmm. Right before you said that. Mm-hmm. Because there's power in whether we think negatively or whether we think positively, and how that's going to affect us. It affects our our health. And it, they even have how the brain looks even different for a person that maybe is a negative person, a critical person. Their brain even looks different. There's a book called "Who Switched Off My Brain" by Caroline Caroline Leaf. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a powerful book in in itself, and talking about scientifically how it how it happens. But the good news is that we can change it within like I think fifteen days or fifteen minutes or fifteen. I don't know, I don't know. It's a short period of time. Uh, don't quote me on the time, but it's, it's a really short amount of time that you can actually change because it's toxic thoughts and overcoming toxic thoughts because our, our thoughts are just can be just as toxic mm-hmm. or as powerful as our confession. That's right. Because if we have a negative confession all the time, then our thoughts are going to be toxic. And as I said, it actually affects your body. It, it, and it really is attributed is, is a big attribute a to illnesses, diseases, sicknesses, and things like that. And so toxic, you can have toxic thoughts, or you can have really powerful, like power thoughts. And I'm not talking new age thing, because there's a thing out there about... They twist it. Yeah, well, they twist it, because it's a deception from the enemy, like we were talking about. He, he, he twists the word, and like we were talking about. But that new age thing, where they're just like, if you the power of positive thinking, and you can... You can, um, you know, with their with their 
misunderstanding. They think that they can have a power of positive thinking and attract money, attract the opposite sex or whatever it is they want to attract, but that's not true. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about there is really power in our thoughts as well as our as our, you know, as our words because and you know, the out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks also. Yeah. So if a person's constantly thinking the negative, they're gonna start speaking it. And so if they're 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 thinking on that, pondering it, then they're gonna they're gonna be thinking thinking along those lines as you know, as long along those it all you know, is in, in coalition or all rows together. And um you know, one thing I, I wanted to actually touch on uh here is in Romans twelve twenty one. It reads, "Do not overcome. Do not be overcome by evil, mm-hmm. but overcome evil with good." So, you know, as we were saying before, whatever we're struggling with, whatever you're struggling with, and in this particular verse is talking about overcoming evil with good. It's um, that's an opposite spirit. You know, evil and good are obviously opposite spirits. And mm-hmm. I had thought about um, earlier, I thought about um, one of our pastors had talked about, well, I, don't, I don't know if he was witnessing to the person on the street or um, if he was in a church or where he was at, but one place he was witnessing to a lady and uh, she spit in his face, really. I'm not, I'm not talking a little bit, I'm talking about a lot in his face. And he says he doesn't know who was more shocked, her at his reaction, her or him, because he just looked at her and he smiled at her and he says, Jesus loves you. He wasn't angry. You know, he didn't react in the flesh. And and that just kind of softened her right there. She got tears in her eyes because she was like, wow, she couldn't believe that he just smiled at her and said, Jesus loves you. And she'd been hurt by the church and she was um, offended so she didn't want to, you know, she didn't she didn't want anything to do with the church. And then she spat in his face, literally, and he smiled back at her with the love of God and said, Jesus loves you. And she rededicated her life to the Lord and she went back to church. And so that right there is is a is a an example of overcoming evil with good. Mm-hmm. You know. And I have another one, you know, one one time I I um I I felt compelled to buy a a a a pot a a, a potted plant, an ivy in a nice little nice little plant. It was a reasonable size, like a you know, medium size. It was a really nice ivy and I felt led to to buy this one and I, I practically pretty much carried it all over with me because I knew it was for somebody because I, I, but I didn't know who. So one day I was at the ER and I, I don't know what I was having to do, something about something and I, and I was registering or something and this lady, I tell you, she had an attitude like you would not believe and it was a bad attitude. It wasn't a good attitude. And she was just giving me flack and just, just no smile. There's just this like girl, like a just. Not a happy camper. No, it was just, it was not a very, she didn't have a good, she had attitude from hell, was what I told you earlier, she had attitude from hell, but, but, um, and I noticed, 
and her little cubicle, there were all these ivies in pots, these plant, the ivy plants, all different shapes and sizes. And, and, you know, I'm getting this attitude. I'm like, Lord, help me not react in the flesh because I'm really wanting to here. And he says, this is who the plant's for. Give it to her and tell her I love her. <laughs> and I'm like, I said, and before I did that, I'm like, Holy Spirit, you're so cool. This woman is in love with ivy. She has them all around her small cubicle. You really know how to melt a person's heart and get to them. So I, I said to her, uh, I said, well, uh, Jesus loves you, and and he and I want you to have this plant. He told me to give it to you. And I said, in fact, I've been carrying it around with me and I bought it. I just didn't know who it was for. But now that I see all the ivies around here, I know why. And it actually turned out to be her favorite ivy. And she, and she started to tell me, she, she, her countenance, her attitude immediately changed. It like totally, totally um, melted her heart. And so she was, she was like, Oh, and, and this ivy does this, and I've had this ivy this long, and I put this one in this plant, and I just repotted it. And she got on and on and on about her ivies, and she was just, like, so excited. She's like, oh, let me see about this and that. And she was just so sweet after that. God just totally melted her heart with that. I mean, it's just, you know, and it was just amazing. I mean, it's amazing to me how you just, I mean, it really is, it, it really, it really works. You know, another uh, te- uh, example of that was is that um, a minister that I know of, he was talking about how he would uh, be nice and he would show love to this guy that kept yelling and screaming at him, but the guy would just keep yelling and screaming at him. So here's an example where you're like, man, I'm going to go apply this to my life. You know, he learns this principle in church and he goes and applies it. And the guy just keeps like screaming at him. He's like, what's the deal? You know, and God spoke to him and says, you need to develop faith in the love of God. And he's like, huh? And he got, and basically what God told him was, is that if you'll keep sowing the love of God, you'll eventually reap the love of God, even if you don't reap it from the same field that you sowed it in. So keep that in mind is sometimes maybe with those particular people, it may not melt their heart right away, but nonetheless, you keep sowing it and you will reap back from it, you know. I know that um, I work with some really difficult people, but like in the instance where I had to overcome my boss, I mean, keep my, my boss, like he, he, he has an attitude from hell. I mean, he'll literally come out, start cursing at people, yelling at people, dropping F-bombs, but he's really changed. I honestly have not heard him come out and do that one time since I've given him that gospel soloing script, not once. So we over, he, he got overcame with the gospel there. He hasn't totally given his life to Jesus yet. Um, I know of another, it's really just, you know, the power of, the power of love. Um, you know, I had a guy that I knew at a former job. This guy wanted nothing to do with what I wanted to believe, but I just, you know, we, we, but we became friends and we agreed that, um, you know, we had the right to not like other each other's opinions, but we could still like each other. And so uh, we became friends. And I remember one day I had, I just kept loving him and I just kept being a friend to him. And I had this Christian book about, overcoming unfair treatment speaking of overcoming and about all about how to deal with it when people mistreat you which is a whole other uh, subject but um he gave me which again was is with love by the way that's the hint but he um he gave he he asked to look at the book then he started reading the book then he started highlighting stuff in the book and then i finally just told him you, know, you can have the book you know <laughs> but i didn't try to you know in situations like that 
um, in situations where you're living with an unsaved member and stuff like that, you don't necessarily just keep have to keep preaching. You preach the gospel to once and then love them and speak the word of God over them and you know sp- treat them you know treat them like they're already saved and stuff like that. And eventually, the word of God is going to take root. Amen. And because um, our because we overcome like what she said, we overcome evil with good. Uh, that scripture that he's actually talking about actually starts off in verse twenty. It says, "If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. And in so doing so, you should heap coals of fire upon his head." And actually, in the verse before that, which goes with it, it says, "Avenge not yourselves, beloved, but give place to the wrath of God. For written vengeance is mine; I recompense the Lord." So, our only responsibility when people are treating us unfairly is to respond with good, and that's actually how we're going to overcome any vengeance. Is actually going to come from God, not from us. We're, you know, and you know, God's God's a God of love. He's really vengeance is really not His main thing. He does judge, He does do those things, but it's never really His will. It's his his will is to always bless, and we should always uh, be the same. Yeah, amen. Right. Yes. And and uh, you know, I think about you're talking about your boss, even though he didn't say the prayer yet. He's he's definitely watching you, and and how you react to things. How, you know, how what you do, what, what you look at, maybe on the internet, or even like, you may not do that, but whatever, just whatever it is that you're doing, he. He's definitely, definitely watching. Well, they well they watch well they watch your submission. They watch your work ethic. Let me just say this, you know, in the book of Daniel, and we're not going to get all up into it, but in the book of Daniel that just came to my mind was, this, you know, Daniel, the way they were impacted. This is this is about overcoming in the workplace. Daniel did not overcome, you know, in the midst of you know being around all these ungodly people by coming in and saying, "Hey guys, guess what Psalms twenty three says," you know. Christians that walk in and just quote scripture all the time and act all holier than thou, that doesn't win anybody to Jesus. If you're in the workplace, the way you're going to win them to Jesus is by your example and by, you know, and by, and by your behavior. You know, it's like uh, the, the reason Daniel was so impacted by, they were so impacted by Daniel is because he was so much more productive than them, so much more wise than them. They're, they're like, what's this guy's secret? And they found they realized the only thing it could be that they see it, they saw him praying three times a day when he when we went up to his house and so that's and the same thing with us you know when you're in the workplace again you overcome evil with good you overcome you should be the best worker there you should be the most faithful worker there you know in my workplace you know there's a lot of times by the grace of God that I'm the only in, in, we're in a tough season right now I'm the only guy with a sale on the board sometimes though literally the whole rest of the there's been days when the whole rest of the room didn't have a sale on the board but I had a sale on the board by the grace of God times when they've had to pull me in and correct me I didn't I, you know I refused to get all defensive I just submitted to what they said and I told them I would work harder and I went out and literally I remember one day when they pulled me into the office and uh, they're kind of putting the pressure on me a little bit Hey, we need to see your sales come up, all this kind of stuff. And uh, I was like, okay, well, I'll go out and I'll, I'll work harder, sir. And I went out and literally, like the minute I got back to my desk, somebody had called saying they wanted to buy. And I was able to walk back and get, had a sale on the board immediately, but it came up by the grace of God. So defensiveness doesn't win. Anger doesn't win. Anger does not produce the righteousness of God. It's when we overcome evil with good, like what Deborah's been talking about. Right, and... You know, like you're talking about in the workplace, overcoming, like, you've witnessed to him. You took the opportunity. You witnessed in the way you felt comfortable. You gave him the gospel script, was it? Mm-hmm. And he didn't, he hasn't said the prayer yet, mm-hmm. capital Y-E-T, but you're you're there and you're being the example. 
and you know you're not arriving to work late and you're not leaving early and you know you're doing you're you're being the prime example and you're you're um you know you're being the example of because sometimes we are the only bible that people will see i know we hear sometimes that said a lot but we are the only bible we are the only jesus that sometimes people will see and when i was being witnessed to a lot uh by this one woman she said to me oh you know god is so good and and you really i really want you to come to my church I really want you to just check it out and just start praying to him. He's he's really awesome. And she's like, "Oh, I I I'm I gotta get going. I'm I'm really sorry. I'm I'm going to go meet my boyfriend, my husband, while my husband's at work. We gotta make sure we set the alarms uh, so that he's gone before my husband gets here." I'm like, "Something's wrong with that picture." <laughs> yeah. You know, something's wrong with that picture. Not that I judged her. I didn't do that, and I'm not judging her now. I'm just saying our lives have to line up with, who you know, what our confession, our profession of faith of being a Christian is, which is a little Christ, a follower of Christ. But also, Christian means little Christ. Mm-hmm. So we have to be, we have to be that. And then this other person, they're like, oh yeah, you really. Uh, I really, I really want you to see. The, I really want to take you to this one church. It's awesome. They got really great paintings, really good uh, singing, and all this stuff. And then they, uh, and then on the other hand, they reached into their pocket, took out a joint, and lit it. And I'm like, what's wrong with this picture? If you know, and because I knew in my heart that that. Somewhere in my heart, because we have that God spot, we have our spirit that you know knows, and I'm like, something's not accurate. So we have to line our life up. We have to be doers of the word and not hearers only. You know, therefore deceiving ourselves and others. Yeah. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I just was gonna say that you know, so we have to really, really line up with that, and and how you're, you're talking about, you know, and also. Once we once we witness to, to people, yes, we'd love to have them say the prayer. But once we witness, to not bang them on the head with the Bible like you're talking about, not always preaching to just love them, just simply, you know, just simply love them, and and um, so you know to just love them because that's what we need to do. And speaking of which, speaking of love, in Psalm 139, verses 17 through 18, um, this is David, uh, his psalm, and, and he's talking about God here when he says the following two verses. He's speaking to God. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And basically, he's talking about all the sand in the entire entire world. Is because David said right there, how, "Your thoughts are, if I were to count them, they outnumber the grains of sand in the, in the entire world." And I, I, the Holy Spirit told me the other day, he says, "Google." 
how many how many grains of sand there are in the world and obviously with the erosion and and uh, things you know falling in you know turning into sand because of erosion and things like that nobody's going to ever get an 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 absolute absolute figure an absolute but um with scientific mathematical things because they said um, if you assume a grain of sand has an average size and you calculate how many grains are in a teaspoon and then multiply all the beaches and deserts in the world, the earth has roughly, and we're speaking very roughly here, 7.5 times 10, 18 or 1,018 grains of sand. Are you ready for this number? Or seven quintillion five hundred quadrillion grains of sand in this entire world. It's calculated. Do you know that Jesus, God Himself, thinks of you more than seven quintillion five hundred quadrillion times a day, at least minimum? Minimum. He's always, always thinking about you. You're always on his mind. Seven quintillion, five hundred quadrillion. That is, I can't even wrap my brain around that. And sometimes, you know, I'm guilty of it myself. Sometimes I'll go like when I should be spending time in the Word or I should be doing whatever. I go to, I'll go to Facebook or I'll do whatever it is I'm not supposed to be doing. Not that it's bad or anything like that. It's not sin, but I just go someplace and 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 it's. It is taking the place of time that I could be spending with him who's thinking of me, you know, more than, more than is, 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 he's thinking of me more than seven quintillion, 500 quadrillion times at least. He's thinking about me that many times. And that's just, just, just totally wild and it blows my mind. So we need to at least think about him at least more than seven times a day or five times a day or whatever we just need to press in and we need to think of him and we need to fast what we need to fast or give up what we need to give up temporarily or permanently so we can press in and get into his presence and be in his presence and have junk burned out of our heart and be with him and spend time with him and seek his face and let the fire of god burn out everything that's not a god out of us so that we can be like him and really truly be Christ-like and little Christians walking around. And we just need that because it just, he loves us. And that just boggles my mind that many, seven quintillion, five hundred quadrillion times. Well, yeah, the Bible says to, that our understanding might, the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. We might understand the length, the width, the breadth, and the height of the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we really do have to be expanded to even be able to comprehend that kind of love. But at least let it start there that, the, you know, that you can't, like, we can't believe that God loves us only when we feel like it. We have to believe that he loves us simply because his word says so and has these amazing promises about how he feels about us. You know, the, the Bible says that, um, you know, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, not neither height nor depth nor, nor, nor angels. It goes through this whole list of, of things that, we, that cannot 
separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Lord. The only thing that can separate us from the love of God is our own willful rebellion in nature. And even then, God still loves us. But of course, we can separate ourselves from experiencing that love. But that's a, that's our choice. But why would you? Why would we do that? Um, you know, Hebrews, and she was talking about like drawing near to God to, for the empowerment, you know, to live as little Christ. You know, uh, like the Bible says. Uh, the Bible says that regarding him, he says, we have a great high priest. This is Hebrews chapter 4, 14. Having a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast again. Here we go to our confession. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but one that has been all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with boldness unto the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. So it says, first we go there to receive mercy. Uh, there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about that he, gives, he has mercy on us because he remembers that we're but dust. So A, quit being so hard on yourself. Uh, and that B, that we draw near to receive empowerment to, to live this way, you know, to live as little Christ. And I just want to say this, you know, regarding... Um, you know, in the times that we fail, because none of us are perfect, be be honest with people around you when you do fail. Don't try to cover stuff up. I mean, the other day I really messed up at work and I wasn't, you know, living that example 100% of, you know, what, what, what exactly what you would call the fullness of the love of God. I was very frustrated and I said something to somebody I shouldn't have said out of my frustration. And you know what? But I knew immediately I was wrong. But the key is, is that I went back to that person and said, you know, I'm really, really sorry. You know, and people respect that. They respect honesty. They just don't like, people like real people, the reality. They don't like hypocrites. And so live, the Bible talks about living such a good life among the Gentiles that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, but if you do fail, then be honest with them and, you know, and, and live that life in front of them. And I've won, I've won a lot of people to Jesus like that, just through being honest and, you know, and not trying to, not trying to be a hypocrite. Cause I remember once I worked in a place and, um, you know, I just loving on the people like, you know, the love of God pouring out of me. But there was another guy there who wasn't who claimed to be a Christian. He wasn't living and he wasn't living. It. And finally, this unsaved person, you know, who worked in a in another job in a very ungodly place and all that. She wasn't, you know, she dressed very unladylike. Let's just put it that way. She obviously wasn't saved. But she finally looked. But she finally looked at me when she goes, well, isn't it what you isn't it what you live, not what you preach? She was so frustrated with the hypocrisy that she saw. And so, you know, we can be real with people around us. They'll respect that. And they'll also see that, hey, you know, you can be, you don't have to be perfect to be a Christian, but you do have to be real. Jesus said to avoid the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So just be real about it, you know. Um, and so with that being said, you know, like I said, the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he'll draw near you. So it's through a relationship with him that we receive the empowerment to do these things, to become like Christ because we're changed in his presence. That's another key to overcoming is through that relationship. Mm. We are changed in the very presence of God through laying down our lives and our wills and coming to his presence and saying, you know, by, by his grace, God, I'll go where you go, want me to go. I'll do what you want me to. And when we know him, we receive empowerment through that relationship to overcome the world. Right, we're transformed into His image, like you're saying. Transformed into His image when we when we do that. And um, I was uh, just a quick on a side note. We've got about 29 minutes left, and to let you know that they you can call in at six four six 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 eight two zero nine three. That is six four six 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 eight. 2093 and we wanted to announce an email we've set up um, especially for this show if you have any prayer requests 
or testimonies or just comments or questions. And that is Fire Talk Radio and then the number two at yahoo.com. That's F I R E T A L K R A D I O and then the number two at yahoo.com. And I just wanted to, you had mentioned the, uh, about who can separate us from the love of God. And that's in Romans, it, it talks about it in Romans 8. And I was looking in here, and 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 it starts in 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ooh, hallelujah. I feel his love right now. My goodness. Ooh, boy. By you, I felt that one. <laughs> Uh, there's actually a verse uh, right before that says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elected as God that justifies. So regarding, you know, when the devil tries to condemn us, you know, it's like the Bible says, who shall lay a charge against God's elect? God's the only one that really has the power to condemn or to give life. And according to the scripture, it's God that's actually justifying you. Uh, so the accusations that you're hearing, you remember like um, once I remember I was, uh, it's like I, I was really struggling with condemnation. It's like, I'm, I, I won't call it a vision, but it's like I had a picture that came to me of, um, it's like you're in a courtroom, you know, and the devil's the prosecuting attorney. And the thing about the devil is that the accusations he's making in many cases are true. And he's using the word like, you may really have said that cuss word. You may have really thought that bad thought. You may really have done whatever it is he's accusing, he's throwing the accusation of. You may have already brought it into the blood, but he's still going to accuse you of it. And um, now if you try to justify yourself... You know, you're sitting in the, you're, you're sitting next to the judge, you're in the stand, and he's he's throwing his accusations at you. Now, if you try to be like, well, look, you know, I'm working on it, I'm 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 trying, you know, I'm 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 getting better, but the problem is, since the standard for heaven is perfection, and none of us have met that standard, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means the devil always has ammunition to throw against us. But if you can say, but if you but if you're able to say this, you know, that's true. However. I've already brought that to the Lord. I've already brought that under the blood. And my, and my, my, my defense attorney, Jesus Christ, has something to say about that. And Jesus would, stand, would then stand up and say, I've already paid the price for this. 
and uh, he's already brought that to me, and I've already that's been wiped away and forgiven, and therefore the, then the judge, all the judge being the father, can only now say not guilty. So you know, you're, so when the devil brings your accusations, his accusations against you, you can overcome with the word of God that we've already given you. You're right, devil, but it's under the blood. Thank you, devil, for reminding me again. The blood. Keep shoving it, shove it up his nostril. You're right. The blood. The blood. You're right. Thank you, devil. That was dealt with. The, thank you. The blood. And and the blood. Well, how can you do this? Uh, because God died for me. The blood. And the blood. Thank you. It's the blood. You know. It's and it's just like you know. The Bible says His mercies are new every morning. So that the Bible says He for, He'll forgive you seventy-seven times seven. You know. So that's that's power to overcome condemnation. Again, we know that grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. You do have to confront that sin in your life. However, if you're in that process and you're going forward, His mercies are new every morning, and the devil can't condemn you only if you let him. And um, so it says again, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? That's Romans 8, chapter 33. You know, I remember um, and the, before we, and if, again, uh, go ahead and please call in if you have any prayer requests with that number that Deborah gave. And uh, I remember once I was uh, going to, I was really, really bound up and uh, in, in some things. Not so much sin per se at that time, but just more uh, mindsets and condemnation, kind of like we we're dealing with. And God told me I had to go to to go to this group. He actually led me to this group appropriately enough called Overcomers. I didn't want to go, but God told me I had to go. And God told me it wouldn't totally solve all my problems, but it would be the beginning of my healing. And I went there, and um, you know they sang this song there, and the song we. Uh, on a previous show, but applies here. And it says, I've given you a new name, and your name no longer is loser, outcast, lonely, or afraid. And I've given you a new name, and your new name is faithful, friend of God, overcoming one. And I remember how the power of God just like washed over me uh, through that song as God was trying to like help me walk in the identity of who I am in Him. You are righteous, you're holy, and you're perfect in Him if you're in Christ. You are not your issues, you are what God says about you. And uh, the way I always tell people, the way you walk in this reality is, you know, imagine if you're believing God for a new laptop. You have to believe that you have that laptop before you see the laptop. You know, your confession is, I have a laptop now, because the faith is the evidence of things unseen. But now, so how do you believe that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Well, it's your spirit, man, the real you that is righteous. So, but you don't see your spirit, man. So your only way to believe that is by what the word of God says. So when the devil comes with his condemnation, you've got to come back with the word just like Jesus in the wilderness and say, yeah, but the Bible says this. It says that there's therefore now no condemnation. I, I'm righteous because God says I am. Talk to him about it. You know, I'm holy because God says about it. You know, speak to the nail-scarred hand, devil. You know, it's just like I'm, I'm holy and I'm just because God says so. And you have to just keep coming back with the word about what God says about you to defeat that condemnation. Right, and also, you know, things like I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. The devil who deceived many was thrown into the lake of fire. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God raises up a standard against against that. You know, you're talking about that courtroom thing. Carmen, actually, is a singer. You may or may not know him. His name is Carmen, and he has a video, and it's called The Courtroom. And he actually does that where he plays all three parts. He plays the part of Jesus, he plays he plays the part of God, and he plays the part of the devil. And they have this guy, at, and it's, it, it's set up just like a courtroom, and it's called The Courtroom. The video and the song is actually called The Courtroom. You could find it on YouTube. Just look under Carmen, The Courtroom. It's pretty cool the way he does it, and it's done because 
the, you know, the enemy's accusing God. This guy's died. He's gone to heaven. And he's in the courtroom. He's, he's waiting his fate. And and uh, so the devil's attacking him, saying, you know, he's done this, that, and the other. He's he's committed adultery, been into drugs, and and everything. And and then um, God pulls out, starts pulling out the book, and he says, he says, well, by the, this book does say that you did this, this, and this. Uh, what is what do you have to say about that? And then all of a sudden Jesus appears, and he says, may I may I remind you. That on the cross 2,000 years, my blood washed those sins away. And this guy was saved, you know, the guy. And then and then it shows Satan getting nervous and all this stuff. And then God God starts to reach for a book. And then the devil's like, no, 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 not that book, not that book. Because what God had originally before Jesus appeared was was a book with his sins in it. And then he put it down. He's reaching for the other book and the devil's freaking out. And he pulls it out the Lamb's Book of Life, and and he's pointing down there, and he says, "Is your name in that book? Is your name in that book for sure?" It was really cool the way it happened because he says, "Oh," and then before that happened, he pulls out the book, and and when Jesus said, "May I, may I remind you that my blood washed those sins away over two thousand years? It washed those sins away." And then God gets on another one, and he says, "Well, devil, you were right, but according to the blood of Jesus." They're they're gone, and basically what it shows is a book with white pages, with blank pages, because the sins, hallelujah, as far as the east is from the west, on the bottom of the sea of forgetfulness, I mean, they're never, they're not there anymore. Paul, Saul, who was converted to Paul on the Damascus Road, he had that encounter with God, and there's somewhere in there in the Bible where he talks about how uh, um, you know, he's done nobody any harm. Well, did he have a history of harming and, conde- and and persecuting and killing Christians? Yes. But he wasn't, praise God, he was not that person anymore of the blood of Jesus. And I thank God for the blood of Jesus that washes us and, and frees us from, from all of that. That's a powerful video on Carmen. If you get a chance to look at it, because it's a perfect illustration of what we're talking about, because if you were to look at, and it's just, it's, it's just pretty awesome. And, you know, speaking of testimonies, or speaking of laptops and believing for a laptop and confessing that you're going to have a laptop, we had our other laptop that was, was giving us a hard time, and it, it was crashing, I don't even know how many times, but the Lord blessed us and provided us with a brand new laptop and I had been asking the Lord I'm just thinking while I had a Windows 7 I'll just ask him for Windows 8 he does everything above and beyond and super abundantly above all you could ever wish hope or imagine or dream he gave me, it gave me a Mac Air and a really awesome 3 in 1 printer that's wireless that I could I could do it someplace else in, in another room in the house and it would print it and it makes all kinds of really cool stuff so um, God's just awesome. So we overcame technical glitches. Yeah, you can. Oh, we yeah, we over. Yeah, God helps us overcome the technical the technical issues by giving us a whole new computer and printer. To let you know, we've got about 17 minutes. Actually, about roughly 17 minutes, going on 16 minutes now. That's one six. So the number is six four six 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 eight two zero nine three. Six four six 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 eight two zero nine three, 
You still have a few minutes to call us with your testimony, praise reports, your prayers, your questions, whatever that may be. And um, obviously, we had a lot of material to cover tonight, and a lot of a lot of um, stuff. While it's on my heart to let you know about uh, the river at Tampa Bay Church, thirty-seven, thirty-eight River International Drive. Tampa, Florida, 33610. That's the river at Tampa Bay Church. And that is in uh, uh, Tampa, Florida, 33610. And that's that's our church. And tomorrow the service starts at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time in the morning. And also again at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard. And again on Wednesday. If you can't make it in person for whatever reason then you can go to revival.com and you can actually watch it live, which is pretty cool because the anointing knows no knows no uh, bounds and you can still be in the presence of the Lord. And so to let you know about that and also a, a prayer line where they, they may not always be there, but they have recordings of, of prayers that are very anointed people recording them um who have recorded the prayers and you you will still trust me feel the anointing but during the week from seven to nine from sunday through friday seven to nine are the times when the the live prayer operators and sometimes during during the day throughout the week i'm just not sure of the times in the afternoon and then at 11 to 1 and that's one eight six six eight five seven. Four eight three seven. That's one eight six six R I. Wait eight one eight six six eight five. And then the word river, like R I V E R. And just to let you know about about those uh, tools, it's important to very important to uh, get into get into that. And just to let you know about a special um, upcoming event that. Our church is having in Washington D.C. coming up called Celebrate America, and that's July 1st through July 19th, and it's going to be at the Daughters of Re- um, Revolutions Constitution Hall, and that's um, it's going to be a powerful time. So check out the itinerary at revival.com, and uh, we're believing God for another great awakening, another great awakening, spiritual great awakening in this land where. Mm-hmm. Where everybody returns back to God and or turns to Him for the first time or returns to Him and and the fire is ignited in in individuals' hearts and in the nations and across the world and and I believe that's going to happen and and we're we're all uh, and our the ministry is a conduit for that. And we're talking a lot about. Yeah, we have 13 minutes left. Um, you know, we're talking a lot about overcoming, obviously, and uh, regarding the uh, Great Awakening. You know, um, regarding, you know, a lot of people want to blame the leadership and what's going on, and obviously have grievances with things that are happening. But we're not going to overcome that by speaking against our leadership. We're not going to overcome that by saying what horrible people they are, and I've fallen into that trap myself. We're going to overcome it by praying for our leadership. The Bible says to pray for those in authority that we might live quiet lives. Um, so we need to be, so we, I just want to encourage everyone. We have, um, you know, a thing going on in church where we're encouraging people to pray, you know, for an hour, an hour once a week 
just find that time and begin to pray and pray and pray. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray for this nation. Pray that this nation will turn it back around. It's through prayer. Just like you pray and speak the word over your loved ones, you pray and speak the word of this nation for a great awakening. It is possible for a turnaround. It is possible. and We haven't gone too far. It's, you know, it's like uh, the devil would want us to think that, but it's not. We can have a turnaround in this nation. It's always darkest before the dawn. So we, we're believing for a great, you know, we, yes, the tribulation is going to come. Yes, the Antichrist is going to come. But we can push it back to give us time, one more hour of daylight, that we might reap the harvest. You know, um, lastly, you know, we're ta- the one last one I really wanted to make uh, uh, is that, you know, you're, you, what you're, you're overcoming isn't just important for you. It's overcoming. It's important for the people that you're going to reach. The Bible says through many tribulations we enter the kingdom of God. What does that mean? It mean it's not referring just entering into heaven. It's referring you entering into greater authority through which you can help other people in this life. So if you have a problem with sickness, you need to get in the Word of God, begin to speak the Word of God over yourself, and then fight that thing with the Word of God until you overcome. Why? You know, Oral Roberts, he overcame sickness early on in life through his confession, and then then he had a great healing ministry. Kenneth Hagin, same thing, had a great healing ministry. So what you overcome gives you the ability to over, gives you authority in that realm, and we gain greater and greater authority as we overcome. This is what it says of even Jesus. This is is Revelation chapter 5, verse 4, and actually I'm going to start in verse 3, and it says that no one, speaking of this book that the angel is holding, and actually, I'm going to start at verse 2. It says, I saw a strong angel, Revelation 5, 2. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof. And no one in the heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look thereon. And I wept much because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look thereon. And one of the elders said to me, Weep not. Behold, the lion that is of the tribe of Judah, the, the root of David, has overcome. Open the book and the seven seals thereof. So the Son of God had to overcome the Son of God had to overcome to be able to do this. So in the same way, to have the authority to open this book, so in the same way, the, 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 the trials and tribulations, you don't just lay down and play dead. Fight those things with the Word of God. We've armed you with so much Scripture. You know, and fight those things with the Word of God. You know, Google Scripture on things that you're going through and begin to fight those things with the Word of God and don't give up. Other people's breakthrough depends on you breaking through. But you have to fight. God's not going to come fight your battles for you. You know, it's like a, you're either a victim or a victor. You know, I mean, you, you're not responsible for things that happen to you in your life, but you are responsible for how you deal with them. You can either lay down and just say, well, you know, woe is me, or you can rise up and say, you know, I'm not going to let this conquer me, you know, and be a victor. And, and, that, and you, have, you have a ministry. You may not be a worldwide ministry. You may not be called to full-time. You might be called to work a job, whatever. But God wants you to conquer and overcome in the everyday life. We're all called to be rulers and, and reign and king, as kings and priests unto God in this life and in the life to come. But we must overcome. You know, and I'm going to read the rest of that passage just because it's powerful. And it says in the verse 6, I saw in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures in the midst of the elders a lamb standing as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and he taketh it out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the four and twenty-four elders, and the four and twenty-four elders, sorry, the tw- four and twenty elders, fell down before the Lamb, having each one a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So your prayers are powerful. Your prayers have authority in heaven. And they sing a new song, saying, "Worthy art thou to take the book and open the seals thereof, for you were slain and did purchase unto God with the blood of men of every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation, and made them to be unto God a kingdom." and priests, and they reign upon the earth. 
So we reign upon the earth as we overcome because Jesus overcame. Amen? So you, you don't be a victim via victor. You have responsibility to overcome these things through, because he's given us all things we need for life and godliness. Right. That's very, very powerful. And, yeah, my goodness, wow. Um, you're talking about signing up for the prayer chain. You can do that on Revival.com as well. We'll just go to Revival.com and it'll find a place. I also wanted to let you know about an awesome Bible college that both Adam and I are graduates from. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, at our church. It's the River Bible Institute, or they have a River School of Worship. And they're starting in August. Another intake in August is coming August. Free scholarships are available if you qualify. I don't have the authority to give you one, but I have. To, I can tell you that they have scholarships available if you qualify. And they also have a river. Uh, it's called River School of Government, so they have a school of government, and um, they're just trying to just trying to hit every every realm here. But it's a powerful Bible school. If you feel like you've been called to Bible college, don't worry about how 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 everything is going to fall into place. Just it, when you obey, trust me, that's when everything is going to start to fall into place. And you have to just trust God that's going to happen because it changed my life. I'm sure it changed Adam's life. It changed a lot of people's lives and, and, and thrust them into their destiny. I know that I'm not the same person. In fact, the dean of the school said to me, he says, you're not that same Deborah that walked in those stores so many years ago. And, and that's in a good way. And I'm grateful for that because... God has done a deep work in my heart, and I have overcome a lot of things um, because of because of Him, and because of His, you know, uh, submitting. Also, we have to submit to the process. So, um, there's just one other thing I wanted to read you really quickly here. No, it's not a thing; it's the scripture. It's Romans eight thirty-seven. I may or may not have read it, but in all these things. We overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. So with his love, with the word, we overwhelmingly conquer through him with all this stuff, anything. And in John 5, 5, it says, Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So... To let you know that God does love you and he has a great plan for your life. And if you were to die this very second, do you know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? If you're not sure, you know, the Holy Bible reads, we've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And whoever calls upon his name shall be saved. So if you want to make sure you're going to go to heaven, just repeat this prayer after me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Help me overcome all the things I need to overcome. And you, and in Amen. And, you know, he's going to help you overcome those things. And and if you need to, if you haven't quite captured all the scriptures and wrote them down, just listen to this again and, and you'll find them. And also, I, I'm, 
just a, a prayer, a quick prayer of forgiveness to say, Dear Lord Jesus, I forgive everybody who's ever hurt, neglected, or abused me. It was not my fault. And I also forgive myself for anybody I ever hurt, neglected, or abused. I receive your forgiveness. I release them. Jesus, fill me with your peace, your love, and your joy. And the fire, the fire, God, right now, the fire, God, in the name of Jesus. Fire, 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 God. I'm also going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking of uh, uh, fire. Uh, he is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire. If you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you may like, well, what's this fire she keeps screaming about? Well, the Bible says he's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's the empowering fire of God that empowers you to walk. You can't do this without the Holy Spirit. So if you'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Mark chapter 16 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every believer. Hallelujah. And then later it says that these signs will follow those believe that they'll cast out devils, mm-hmm. they'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll speak with new tongues. Mm-hmm. And we have three minutes left. So if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, say this with me. Say, Jesus, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with power to live for you. I receive that now. In Jesus' name. Now, from here, it's as simple as responding to the Word of God. It says that if earthly fathers give good gifts to their children, how much more will he not give the Holy Ghost to those that ask him? You just asked him for it. And the book of James says, faith without action is dead. And the book of Jude says, build yourself up by praying in the Holy Ghost. Now it's just a step of faith. The Bible says when we pray in tongues, we pray in mysteries. But we, our mind is unfruitful, but our spirit man is edified. So if you want to have a strong spirit, I want you to shut your mind off right now. The mind is for thinking, but the spirit is for drinking. When I count to three, do not speak out English. Do not speak out Spanish. Do not speak English. By open by faith, open your mouth and begin to speak out some new syllables. If you want to make it simple, I'm literally telling you by faith, just begin to babble, if you will, because well, all you're really doing right now is giving God your voice, but as you do, you'll notice that the language starts coming through. It might be one or two syllables. It might be a whole bunch of words, but as you continue to do that, it will grow on the inside of you. When I count to three, just begin to speak it out. One, two, three, now. You might feel a heat. You might feel a fire going through. You might feel a peace. That is the presence of God. As you continue to speak that out, it will grow. Do not let the devil tell you you're making it up. And just begin to trust the word of God and begin to speak it out and strengthen the spirit man on the inside of you daily. You should be praying in foreign tongues more than you pray in English. Mm-hmm. And lastly, I want to pray for joy. The Bible says the joy that we need strength to overcome. The joy of the Lord is your strength. We have one minute left. So if you've been depressed, if you've been hurting right now, say this to me. Say, Jesus, fill me with joy. And then place your hand on your belly. And if I says famine and destruction, you laugh, begin to laugh right now. Uh-huh. Ha, ha, ha. It's all by faith. Uh-huh. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> the joy of the Lord right now going through people right now. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 the joy of the Lord, in Jesus' name. We want to leave you with that joy. Some of you are being touched right now. Some of you are being filled right now. All throughout the world, we're being aired all throughout the world. And in the other countries right now, there's people catching the joy right now. The joy, we say, what is this? This is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. Begin to re- receive that joy. Let us swallow up your depression with the strength of the Lord. With joy, you draw from waters of the salvation. In the name of Jesus, the joy. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> the joy of the Lord right now, in Jesus' name, filling all these hurting people, God. 
In the mighty name of Jesus, God. Right now, the fire of God going through lives right now, touching and impacting lives, God. And if anyone's sick right now, we pray our healing in class. 46, God, I pray for any sick people right now in your body. Place your hand in your body. Say, Jesus, heal me. Thank you that you're my healer. I receive mm-hmm. it now by faith. In Jesus' name. That short prayer. Now begin to move around that part of the body that's in pain. In Jesus' name. And you'll begin to notice that there's pain leaving your body right now. Email us with testimonies at firetalkradio, the number two at yahoo.com. Firetalkradio, all one word, number two at yahoo.com. It's firetalkradio2 at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you. God bless you. Enjoy the joy of the Lord, and we hope to talk to you again soon. God bless you. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 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 